Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. a hotel wear a jacket and a tie what's the occasion she just smiled and she wouldn't say why well hello everybody and welcome to billy joel a to z today starting off everybody's favorite letter i i love billy joel and we are starting out today <laughs> with a really good one folks i don't want to be alone I Don't Want to Be Alone kicks off the second side of Billy Joel's seventh album, Glass Houses. Or if you are listening to it on CD or Spotify, it is the sixth track off of the album and the song sandwiched in between all for Lena and sleeping with the television on. That's a hell of a trifecta. All right, Elon, get ready for this. Get ready. The rankings are sick. A little hint. <laughs> Christopher Bananos. Where is he putting? I don't want to be alone. I hate when you give me a hint like that, because I, I had in my mind where I think it would show up on his well, list. say that first. Say, where I think. OK, so my original guess was going to be 58. But now you've said that he's done a little bit of a crazy Chris, perhaps. I'm guessing this is in, a, in the high realm. Maybe he puts this at 17. Ha, you wish he puts this song. Drum roll, please. Nine. Wow. Did not see that coming. When I looked it up, I'm like, what did I see wrong? I had to put my glasses on. Then he says, and this is great. Oh, both of the uh, Christopher and Glenn Gamboa had great things to say about this in, the, in their little uh, captions. How would everyone miss this? That's what he put. It's an amazing, accurate, and completely unexpected Elvis Costello pastiche. Did I pronounce <laughs> that right? Yeah. Phew. Missing only the organ part. A great next phase new wave pop song. One that deserves to come out of the trunk. Glenn Gamboa, 21. You know, up there, not not. Yeah, that's great. He says, also good. We don't always read their blurbs, but these were good. This may be the best song to poke holes in your Joel-hating friends' misinformed arguments. The verses ooze Joe Jackson cool and Elvis Costello sneers while still resolving in a hip but memorable chorus. It's the most organic of his new wave Glasshouses songs and always a great surprise for anyone whose Joel experience is limited to radio hits. It's as if this is the song we've based this entire podcast on. I'm really surprised by those reviews. What do the fans think? The fans, it's 44th. I, I don't know. We've been finding out recently that whatever ranking that fans online where I get that information is, is a little awkward. I guess mine would be somewhere maybe in between 44 and 21. Although, I don't know, you know, in re-listening to it, uh, it could be in between the 9 and 21. Alon, your thoughts? I always have this song in my head all the time. And I think the chorus is one of my favorite Billy Joel choruses for sure. I think the verses for me, they kind of let me down. 
they're a little slow, they meander, and that hurts the song a little bit for me. But I would put it in my top 40. So I'm 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 in the realm of everybody here. I don't think top 10. I think that's a little that's a little too aggressive. I think Christopher Bananos was in this weird headspace listening to Billy Joel straight for six months or whatever he was doing. And certain songs leaked into the top. I don't think most people would put this in the top 10. Here's the thing for me. I don't think I've heard this song in 30 years. <laughs> I remember exactly where I was listening to this song, maybe for the first time, maybe for the hundredth time. I don't know, but I can picture myself in my dad's car, me driving it, uh, you know, definitely being in college, even though this album came out, you know, going, you know, after night, like this is the backtracking of learning about the other songs on glass houses, as we've been talking about with a lot of our guests, especially Gary Goldman and just being all in on glass houses in the car while driving and the, and the second side of glass houses and learning about these songs and sleeping with the television on and how amazing they are. And when this song, when I heard this song, which I definitely hadn't heard in 30 years. And of course I have heard it before folks. It's not, we're not pulling a cold spring Harbor here. (laughs) You know, I guess it got overplayed for me after a while and I just stopped listening. I, you know, I, I love this. All these memories started flooding back. I think my dad had a Pontiac. I got to find it. It was a gray and red color car. Like I can picture the car while while this song was playing because i think i might have put this song on every time i got into that car i guess because he had a cassette tape in the car you know a lot of the cars uh, before that didn't have cassette players and they definitely didn't have cd players you know when this came out so i guess that's why it was kind of a treat to uh be able to listen to something like a glass houses in a car and you, you'll never understand. Of course, you might understand because, you know, you grew up in Manhattan, so you didn't have the experience of driving around in a car listening to music. Well, that's where I started listening to Billy Joel was listening to uh, Billy Joel's greatest hits in my parents' car. Right. In your parents' car. But you never had the experience of driving around in your car, blasting it and singing along, you know, like, uh, you know, just going for it in your car, as I think Pat Benatar used to say. <laughs> yeah, no, I did not have that experience. No, and I remember driving up the parkway to see some friends for school that we were all into Billy Joel and just like really playing this. But the one problem with this song that uh, which I don't have with, I guess maybe when uh, Avery Lender was telling us uh, that her favorite song was Sleeping with the Television on, I said to myself, you know what? That might be my favorite song, too. I don't know what I was thinking about it late more. I've been thinking about it. I can't wait to get to it because Jesus Christ, that's really good, too. So uh i'd forgotten about this one i just completely forgot because sleeping with television is so really good all around but this one i hate the opening i can't stand the way it yeah that that syncopated rhythm oh oh, it's bad it's uh almost the french of cette toile that's how bad it is for (laughs) me because the chorus and the rest of it and quite frankly the lyrics are so encompassing again if i use that word correctly for me you know, the song would be great if it wasn't for the opening, if it didn't just take some time to get going, even though I enjoy the lyrics, but I hate that. Because then when I hear it, I'm like, oh, now I remember why I hate this song. And then it gets to the chorus. I'm like, now I remember why I love this song. And again, like with Half a Mile Away, Alon, I truly believe this is the quintessential, as these guys say, song where you're drawing the line for people that hate Billy Joel. This is the reason they hate Billy Joel. 
And this is the reason we are doing the podcast, because there are songs like these that our listeners and our friends that listen to this podcast know is his greatness that you guys are missing. I'm saying, you know, the people that don't love Billy Joel the way we do, you're missing it. You're missing out this, you know, crazy track from, you know, glass houses that nobody listens to is great. And you guys are missing out, but it would be considered uncool. Yeah. And if even if you're, I'll say a casual listener who has glass houses, maybe you listen to the first five songs in it and then you turn it off. Like you're never going to get to the second side when you have these great songs all in a row, all in a row. You go for all Five from in a row. all for Lena to uh, I don't want to be alone to sleeping with the television on that. Like you said earlier on, that, that all, is a great sandwich all, right there. All for Lena's on side one. <laughs> well, I'm a modern kid. I don't believe right. in no, sides. But, that, <laughs> but right, that is a great sandwich uh, normally. But I'm saying right, and that well, that's the thing. If you were listening to it an album when it came out, and there was no such thing as CDs. You, you probably never turned over the second side, and that's why when I got it on a cassette, I discovered all because how are you not? I mean, side one is unbelievable. All of side one is unbelievable. All the way, all the way to all for Lena from uh, it's, it's, where it was still rock and roll. Sometimes a fantasy. Don't ask me why it's still rock and roll. To me. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, I think everyone was released as a hit. They released all of side one and side two is just kind of, as Billy says, lying there like a lox. <laughs> <laughs> And boy, is it good. I mean, this song is really, really terrific. And these lyrics meant so much to me when I was driving around in the car. She, I mean, just the way it starts. She, but again, it's just, uh, it's, it's just the music. She said she'd meet me in the bar at the Plaza Hotel, wear a jacket and tie. What's the occasion? She just smiled and she wouldn't say why. So here I am standing, waiting in the lobby, sweating bullets, the stupid old suit. And when she sees me, she busts out laughing. You're a sad sight, honey, but you look so cute. Oh, my God. It says, <laughs> wow, does that just go, you know, and and rhyme and. It's beautiful. It's, again, it's the reason we love Billy Joel, but it is uncool if you are looking at it as a, you know, Springsteen or, you know, Rolling Stones. Yeah, it's uncool. And let, I'm going to read something for you, okay. Alon. This is from Chuck Clusterman's book, Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs. And it, I uh, paraphrased uh, most of his stuff, but it, I, I think it's important for this song and a lot of glass houses in particular, no one would ever claim Billy Joel is cool in the conventional sense. If cool was a color, it would be black and Billy Joel would be sort of burnt orange. It is why he's unassumingly superior to all his mainstream 70s peers who got far more credit, i.e. James Taylor, Springsteen, etc. Joel is the only rock star I've ever loved and who I never wanted to be. <laughs> Every one of Joel's important songs, including the happy ones, are ultimate about loneliness. And it's not clever lonely, he says, like Morrissey, or interesting lonely, like Radiohead. It's lonely lonely, like the way it feels when you're being hugged by someone and it somehow makes you sadder. <laughs> I love that statement because you, you sometimes his songs are about loneliness and they are about being misfits. It's very much like Queen, like you love, in the sense where, you know, Queen was meant to be, as you see in the, the movie, where it's supposed to be for misfits and for people that don't fit in. And Billy Joel is incredibly like that. And I guess for me, I think I sometimes I'm a very I spend a lot of time alone 
I've done that my whole life. And I don't ever realize sometimes, and I was just talking on my regular podcast, the Nightfly podcast, the, the October 6th edition, how lonely I've been for a very long time. Like how even when I was a kid, I was always alone. Now, you know, I have a lot of friends. So it you doesn't do. appear that I would be lonely and alone, but I am a complete loner and it's weird. And like, since I was a kid, like just always alone. I mean, I know I have friends, but I'm always, there's this loneliness factor. And uh, I guess that's why Billy Joel has always resonated for me. He does talk about loneliness and depression. just like Gary Goldman was saying. And Gary Goldman's very depressed. You know, he's, his whole thing is about being depressed. But, you know, me, for me, it's always been kind of an aloneness that he talks about in a lot of his songs that I guess clearly resonated with me, especially being that guy sitting in a suit, looking like an idiot at the plaza and then, and then getting laughed at, uh, boy, I guess that this song resonated with me. Certainly at the time I was listening to it being 19 mm -hmm. completely spoke to me. And I'm like, this Billy Joel is something else. Yeah. It's interesting that even his upbeat songs, which this is yeah. are still about being lonely and having an awkward date. This is like the best he could get, the happiest he can get. And it's the reason why, you know, Danny Vermont, who we had on in the in the bees uh, and I and a lot of comics, I think, just liked Billy Joel. There's a funniness to it and a sadness. It, it, it and let alone when he talks about being a comic in L.A. I mean, everything about Billy Joel, Billy Joel would be a great stand up comic if he wasn't a musician. Yeah, absolutely. He definitely has it. He has whatever those qualities are. And one of those big qualities is being <laughs> depressed, I guess. Yeah. And it's just uh, unbelievable. I don't want to be alone anymore. I was checking you out. I was just making sure. I mean, I don't care. For the, I don't care for the, the chorus. I prefer the, the verses, even though I like the chorus melody better. <laughs> but uh, but it does get great when it says, and I want, I want you tonight, although you hurt me before, it didn't matter that I felt like a fool. <laughs> Because I forgot when she walked through the door, I said, I'm sorry, but she said it was cool and I don't want to be alone anymore. Those lyrics just fly. They're amazing. Yeah, that chorus flows so well. Just it something flows. about it makes it so much fun to sing. And it's why it's always stuck in my head. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's it also is, you know, besides the the melody, you know, once you get past that horrible opening, you know, it just again, it shows you his great lyricness. Lyrics, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> lyricism is that what it is yeah that's well, a word i think lyrics prowess uh and and his melodies this is again i just this is a song why all of us are listening to this podcast this is it i don't want to be alone is the quintessential real fan base not hit song of why we like billy joel this is one i've been waiting to get to i guess and didn't even realize it I love Billy Joel when I hear this song. And sometimes we forget as we've been going through the unreleased tracks and the garbage because we still haven't hit any greatness really yet. Maybe in some ways, boy, this reminds me of why we're doing this entire venture. Right. And I think if we, since you love this song so much and I love this song, we have to thank people like uh, Elvis Costello and Joe Jackson, who, Billy is able to channel and make great in his own way with this song. This song reminds me a lot of, is she really going out with him? 
Ooh, yeah, right. Good, good. I was wondering why they said Joe Jackson, and I used to listen to a lot of Joe Jackson back in the 80s. That makes sense. Is she really going out with him? Perfect. Yep. Because it has a very, that also has very slow conversational verses, just like this song does, where you're like, this doesn't feel like the normal lyrics in a song. Right. And then it gets to this chorus that's just very, very catchy. That's so catchy. Yeah. And it's right. It does. It doesn't make any sense of why it's so great. This song should be a clunker yeah. <laughs> every way. The, the entire premise is stupid. And yet we love it. It's fantastic. It's it's again what that guy this Chuck Clusterman said. It, it's the, and Gary Goldman said it's it's cool without being cool. <laughs> and there's something to it that speaks to the rest of us. Mm -hmm. And where it fits in the album, I think is perfect. Also putting this right before sleeping with the television on. I oh. feel like those songs go together so well. Sometimes in my mind, I'll be singing this song and then I'll go into part of that song and I'll forget that there are different songs. I'm sitting here nodding my head so, uh, so in your face because I'm like, yes, yes, you're so right. I get the two mixed up all the time. And we'll sometimes start, if I'm singing this to myself, I'll go into sleeping with the television. Yeah, there's, they're very synonymous with each other. And yeah, it's, it's just, maybe it's because they're placed on the album together, but right, perfect placement. And then those two clunkers at the end. I'm kidding, I know you love it. <laughs> well, when I mix those songs up, what I usually will end up doing is I'll sing the chorus to this and then I'll go into the, your eyes are saying, talk to me. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> That's yeah, the part. Yeah. Oh, you're so right. Yes, yes. Oh, my God. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And that's where you should have ended this album. <laughs> <laughs> Just a weird seven song album. <laughs> yep. That's what they used to do back then. Usually it was uh, eight or nine songs. It was very odd once they started making it tens. The Innocent Man at 10. So Nylon Curtain only has nine. Innocent Man is 10. I just remember <laughs> knowing that off the top of my head. I'm like, oh, we put a 10 song on. <laughs> Bonus track. <laughs> I think if, if an artist has like really long songs, then they'll do less. But if someone just has three minute pop songs and then they have only eight of them on an album, I would be like, I'm getting gypped here. Yeah. I remember when that when we were on that show and that guy was comparing Glass Houses to The Stranger. I think a lot of people's favorite album is Glass Houses. But like we said on that show, it was a stupid comparison because you have to choose The Stranger because there is no. Glasshouses probably wouldn't be that great if he hadn't done The Stranger first because Glasshouses would be like, who the hell is this guy? You, you would definitely be like, what the hell kind of songs are these? But at, because he did The Stranger and then definitely you needed an album in between, you realize how deep he is and he's just like, but I can also do this. So that's how important The Stranger is. So that's why that will always be, you know, you, it was a stupid comparison. Yeah, and I think The Stranger is more like objectively, this is the better album. Glass Houses, though, personally, you might feel like this is what I want to listen to. Exactly. It's more fun. It's more energetic and happening. But, you know, if this guy in that podcast we did was going to combine uh, two albums to judge or uh, grade whatever, what was a contest or what was it? What yeah, was it was like a, a trial by vinyl. Right, so it was trial like by vinyl. Uh, I would have chosen a earlier album than The Stranger, you know, something like a Turnstiles or something earlier than The Stranger, because I don't think you can choose anything after that. But because you could really make a case for Turnstiles being just as good as The Stranger. But again, The Stranger just marks it made everything before and after better. So, again, I wonder if The Stranger doesn't come out 
and this just comes out after turnstiles, would we be doing this podcast? Because, you know, it's just, it's not good enough if you don't do the stranger before. <laughs> Does that make sense? It, yeah. It's kind of like, I've been thinking recently Seinfeld has been released on Netflix. So people are rediscovering the show Seinfeld. And I was thinking about if you were telling someone to watch the show for the first time, where would you tell them to start? And it's kind of like with Billy Joel's albums, where you're not going to say start with number one. They're not going to, they might not get into it, you know? So maybe you say, all right, you start with season four of Seinfeld, or you start with The Stranger. This lets you know, okay, this is what this guy is. And now I'm totally all in on the greatness. And then you can go back to the early seasons or the late seasons you are- with a new appreciation. That is the best comparison. You're completely right, because I always say I don't like even watching Seinfeld starts the last few episodes of the third season. They're for me, they're unwatchable one and two into three. But the Keith Hernandez one is where I think it kicks off. And then season four, you can get rid of, I think, the first two episodes. But then that third one with the pilot where they're showing the show would completely give you the map of what you needed to watch the rest of Seinfeld and enjoy it. So you're absolutely right. You'd have to start with the, uh, you would not start with the first episode that would, you would sit there and be like, I, this doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Excellent comparison. Thank you. You know, we should talk about, since we love the song so much, um, why doesn't Billy Joel play it live? I don't know. I don't know why, but he's only played it three times live. Uh, back in 1980, he played it at Wembley Arena. We have an audio recording of that. That was awful. I thought it was good. I hated it. Okay. Then there's also, he played it at Toad's Place. That's where he used a lot of the recordings that went into Songs in the Attic. But as far oh. as I know, we don't have a recording of this particular oh, song. Oh, okay. And then the third one was at in Melbourne, Australia. And there is a bootleg of that also, which is a, it's not a good high quality recording, but it's what also uh, from 1981. So it's all oh, so. just on the same tour. Yeah. And then never again. And again, this is a song like, why, why wouldn't you do it again? Is it probably because of that horrible opening? Yeah, maybe. Wait, what did you say before? I I said, maybe it's the lyrics are too complicated. No, no way. No way. That can't be. How are they complicated? They flow. This is an easy one. This is like uh, we didn't start the fire where once you, you know, see the first lyric, you, you, you flow, you know, I mean, it's like, it's, it's easy. As long as you have the first part of the teleprompter, although, Elon, now that you're saying it, I'm thinking, did you hear the Sirius XM thing that he was playing? It was very short. Yeah. He couldn't. He remembered the first part and then he just gave up. So you might be he just forgets <laughs> the lyrics himself. But he has the songbook in front of him and a teleprompter. Right. He has a teleprompter. He should be able to do it. I mean, Jesus Christ, here we are again talking about why won't he play something like this in Kaja? You're you're performing not just once a month, but then he's out there apparently all over the country performing. Why wouldn't you stick this one in? The only one I would think is just because the opening is awful, but he could change that. He doesn't have to do it off the album. Clearly, nobody cares. So fix it because you know, the opening does suck and it's not a lot of fun to get into. And that's why I probably didn't like the live version at Wembley. I'm like, oh, I got to listen to this opening again. I need to get <laughs> into it immediately. I got to cut out this. Oh my God. It's so, it's so awful. It's so awful. It is the French part of uh, everything that we hate. I mean, it, ah, it ruins it. But besides that. (laughs) 
Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Do you have a stumper? Oh, I got one for you. I got one for you. All right. And I made it very simple because you'd never be able to get it. What movie that came out one year later than Glass Houses also opens at the Plaza Hotel and deals with loneliness in a drunken, hilarious way? I can see you not to. Okay, wait, I can can get I was going to say before I give you the real clue. Go ahead. Is it Arthur? Yes! My last thing was M stars Judy Garland's daughter. Well, that wouldn't <laughs> so, have helped me. <laughs> really? Oh. I'd never gosh. seen it. I don't, who's her daughter? I'll, I'll cut that out of the podcast for anybody. It's Liza Minnelli. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't want to embarrass you in front of our friends that are my age. <laughs> in, ca- in case Mateo is listening. Oh, my God. Yeah. Never tell Mateo that that happened. Actually, now I have to tell Mateo. But um, yes. So, oh, my. This is why Arthur is my favorite movie movie. He's extremely lonely. He even says you remember when he says he's taking a bath. Well, you've never seen the movie. He's taking a bath and his butler's there and he goes, oh, stay with me. a minute, Hobson. you know how I hate to be alone. And he goes, yes, bathing is a lonely business. And then Arthur says, except for fish. He goes, I beg your pardon. Did you say except for fish? Yes. Fish all bathe together. Although they do tend to eat one another. I often think fish must get awfully tired of seafood. What are your thoughts, Hobson? And then he makes him take off his hat and he hits him with the hat. And it's really funny. And he goes, <laughs> and then he says, um, and then Hobson says, I don't want you to be alone. Arthur goes, I'll never be alone. I have you. And then later in the movie, he's supposed to get married to this uh, woman. It's uh, set up by his family. So their families can merge for a business uh, purpose, but he doesn't love her. And she goes, I hate how alone you are, Arthur. I have spent nights thinking about how alone you are. So it's it's like, I don't know. You know, that's why I love this movie. That's why I love this song. It all deals with loneliness. And all I wanted to do was sing songs like Billy Joel and get drunk and drive around in my car like Arthur, which I did. As a matter of fact, <laughs> when, there's one scene where he's driving drunk and I'll never forget, you know, when we're in the movie, we're laughing hilariously at him driving really drunk in the in 1981. And I know where that is off the FDR drive. So whenever I take that exit to get to my house, it's like right off the 42nd Street exit where they show him, I just start laughing like Arthur uh, pretending I'm drunk <laughs> because that's part of the scene. I can't believe you haven't seen the movie. Every line is brilliant, just like a Billy Joel song. Every line is a masterpiece. No, I know that because you've quoted the entire movie Sorry. to me over the years. So I'm pretty sure I've basically seen it, just your version of it. It's a masterpiece. And uh, yes, uh, and it deals with loneliness. It's just like this song. And it came out at the exact same time. And it shaped Dave Juskow. Thank you. Alon, what is your trivia question for me? Well, I'm going to do this one on the fly. I think you'll like this. What other movie, also about loneliness, took place at the Plaza Hotel? Oh, that's not The Lonely Guy, right? With Steve Martin. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, Home Alone? Home Alone yes. 2. Home, Home Alone, Alone 2, 2, Lost in New York. <laughs> oh, well, see, I knew that, but then I was like, well, that doesn't deal with lonely. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's in the goddamn title. <laughs> it's, it's literally what it's about. <laughs> Son of a right. You know how people want to take the Donald Trump scenes out of that movie. And I'm like, grow up. 
<laughs> That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous because no matter how you feel about him, don't you want that there for posterity anyway? Like, I mean, it's whether you like him or hate him, you can laugh at him for that scene for his bad acting, or you could say, hey, there's our guy, Donald. Exactly. But yeah, right. Home Alone 2. All right. We both got it. We both got yeah. the trivia questions. I'll there. tell you the original trivia question I was going to do anyway. Just might as well throw in a bonus one here. This one's Ooh. about Joe Jackson. Okay. Okay. Well, not really. He's part of the question. Joe Jackson was born on August 11th, a birthday that he shares with the drummer of what New York punk band? D.D. Ramone. Well, you're in the right band. It's the Ramones, <laughs> but it's uh, Richie, Richie Ramone. Oh, I didn't know Richie. Are you sure Richie was an original member? I don't know. <laughs> I found some right. list of celebrity birthdays. Yeah, I don't think they had. They had and it was Joey and D.D. I don't think Richie was an original member. All right. So which replacement member? (laughs) Is it Phil Ramone? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there was I don't think there was a lot of people that didn't think Phil Ramone was part of the Ramones. And it made sense that he was in the music business because, well, you know, their other brother produces Billy Joel stuff. (laughs) Yeah, that's how they got in. But it's all nepotism. The the Ramones weren't all. I mean, there were two brothers, I think. And then I think they just named everybody, uh, you know, Ramon, which is hilarious. And that's why they were a hilarious band and really awesome. I saw them like four times. They were amazing. Did you see them at a small club like CBGB? Yeah. So I'm CBGB. So I'm at uh, Roseland. I saw them. uh, I saw them at the Jerry Lewis telethon. In 1989, doing I Want to Be Sedated and Lobotomy, I think, which uh, then (laughs) I I don't think they were (laughs) expecting that. Uh, I was taking calls, promoting my public access show at the time. (laughs) Oh, my God. And I saw that I got to see them on the show. It was like one in the morning, uh, right on Channel 9. It was very exciting. I used to follow them around. I was a big groupie. I saw them. Uh, Howard Stern was doing a live thing down at this place on 14th Street years ago, and Joey was on and I went to it was like early morning and we went drinking, you know, like at seven in the morning and a thing. And Joey was there. I I, I worshipped them. I thought they were amazing. I thought their melodies were unbelievable. Maybe that's got to be our next podcast. The Ramones A to Z. I, I would love to do that, except all the songs are similar. And I don't think you and I look like we should be doing a Ramones podcast. That's the problem. <laughs> Well, before we decide to do that, we'll grow our hair out and start wearing black leather. Okay. All right. Well, it's time for the Weird Alone parody. And uh, today, instead of I don't want to be alone, it's I don't want to be home alone. Look what you did, you little jerk. All right. I don't want to be home alone anymore. I put ice on my steps and a blowtorch on my door. No, I don't want to be home alone anymore. I dropped an iron on you and ornaments on the floor. In the end, the crooks got taken away right before my mother walked through the door. I said, I'm sorry, but she said it's okay. And I don't want to be home alone anymore. Hey, now. That was great. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, no, now we got to get to that part that ruins the song. No, chorus only. Yeah. Oh, that was uh, was a good one, Elon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, folks, that was a great way to kick off the eyes with I Don't Want to Be Alone. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss a single song. 
Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Do you also think this is a hidden gem? And would you rank this as high as nine? Do you also hate the opening of the song like Dave does? Do you think Billy should play this song live? And are you upset that Billy Joel doesn't get as much credit as his 70s peers? Until next time, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. As long as you can tell me, I don't want to be alone anymore. I was checking you out. I was just making sure. No, 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 I don't want to be alone anymore. And I want you tonight, although you heard me before.